You're listening to a Video Game Pal special. Uh, this is our eSports special. Uh, I am Sean Bartley. Obviously, you guys know me from the Comics Pals and the Video Game Pals. And I am joined by someone who I'm very happy to have uh, doing this with me. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm watching a, a, a dance right now on Skype. Um, it's the eSports report dance. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, you guys know her from appearances on the Video Game Pals. Peggy Ford is here with me. How's it going, Peggy? Hey, um, I'm really excited. I'm really excited. Uh, there's a lot of esports news and a lot of esports stuff that happened uh, recently. So, yeah, I'm excited to actually get in depth with with quite a bit of this. Yeah. So uh, we're talking about a bunch of different World Championship series that have recently closed out for a number of different games. Uh, in particular, we're talking about Injustice Two, which just had its E League um, finals take place, uh, which was awesome. Heroes of the Storm, which finished up its HGC series at BlizzCon, alongside Overwatch, which also finished its series at BlizzCon, and League of Legends, which had its World Championship series. So, a lot of games, um, a lot of meaty content, and uh, we're here to break all that stuff down, tell you guys how those series went, how we feel about them, and what we see the future being for these games and for some of these Um, competitive play champions. So we're going to start with Injustice 2, uh, which just had its uh, world championship this past Friday for us. These players worked really, really hard, grinding through the IPS to get to the point where they could play in the E-League, which took place on TBS, which is, you know, amazing. It's it's amazing for uh, esports in general that we're now on the big stage, ESPN, uh, TBS, a bunch of these different networks picking up these games. Um, and so, of course, these players were very excited to get to this point, and they've been grinding uh, for the past three weeks in the E-League tournament um, for the finals, which did take place. Uh, so we're going to run through that and kind of talk about that. Um, so first up, I wanted to talk about Dragon. So Dragon won the whole thing, and he's been an impressive player for quite some time now, but there's a very interesting narrative with him because he actually won Evo. Uh, Evo, of course, was during the summer, and he did win Evo, but he won it with Aquaman. And at that time, Aquaman was very overpowered, lots of people kind of disrespecting that character, and quite frankly, Dragon's win at Evo. Uh, And then when Aquaman was nerfed, Dragon kind of fell off a little bit, tried to find a new main, and wasn't really sure where to go until he picked up Black Adam and really grinded that character and learned that character. And here he is coming into E-League as the favorite and then goes on to win the whole thing. He beat Foxy Grandpa first, um, which was a series that I think probably went down a little differently than everybody expected. What did you kind of expect going into... The, the playoffs of, of E-League, the finals of E-League, from Dragon. Deadshot's very good, don't get me wrong, but I do think Black Adam is able to counter him really, really well, and just Dragon looked really good, especially in that winter semis when he beat uh, Foxy the first time. Yes, Foxy switched it up a little bit, but I don't think it was enough for, for Dragon to really uh, have much issue when it came to came to the actual like fight. Foxy's Deadshot is amazing, and I'm not going to knock off of that but i do think black adam does have specific moves that can really counter deadshot very well especially if you're not hitting those shots that uh that foxy did against tekken master in that losers finals 
Um, once he wasn't able to really get the angle on, on a couple of those trick shots like that, that was really it, in my opinion. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, um, Deadshot is a character who, again, similar to Aquaman pre-nerf, <clears throat> a lot of players kind of don't respect people that main Deadshot because Deadshot is so good and so overpowered. He actually did just get nerfed. Um, uh, NRS did put out a patch uh, that nerfed him for Xbox. That patch is dropping on November 14th. Um, or maybe if you're listening after that, it already has dropped. Um, but that's going to sort of try to normalize that shot. But in this E-League uh, Championship Series, Foxy Grandpa has kind of run over a lot of players. I mean, if you look at it, um, Forever King, he played him uh, in the loser semis, and he, he beat him 3-1. Uh, it was kind of kind of free i mean i was i was rooting for forever king i love batman but deadshot just has clear advantages um and then going into a set against tekken master as you said um even though tekken master had the brainiac which i thought would put him at an advantage against uh deadshot it just didn't work out and foxy grandpa kind of just dominated that series as well um i mean it was it was three two so that's that's pretty close but um, he, he got the job done. It was a reverse sweep, no? Foxy had a reverse sweep? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And to be honest, like, I get what you said about Brainiac and all that, but I really don't think Tekken was using Brainiac to his full potential. And I think that was kind of the nail in the coffin at the end, because if you let Foxy get those shots in, that's, that's really it. Yeah, um, it can be really difficult to get in on Deadshot, especially with the wrist cannon being so effective, having so little recovery time. Uh, you can really, you can you can really just kind of wall somebody out. And Brainiac has advantages. Brainiac covers a lot of space in the air, and he wasn't uh, Tekken Master wasn't really able to do that in the times where it was needed to pull out this series. Um, but for for Tekken Master, nothing really to be ashamed of. He came up against a character that's very strong, using a character in Brainiac who's not, you know, not the best. And he, he showed out, and he took third. So that's really good. But then again, going back to Dragon, going back to uh, Foxy Grandpa, Dragon really showed that he's one of the premier players in Injustice 2. But there are some questions. Sonic Fox... Not there. Yeah, did he Did he just have a fluke? You know, what the heck happened to him? Sonic Fox is probably one of the most, like, high-profile players at this time. Um, he got featured by ESPN Esports. You know, he, everyone's like, oh, he's the best. And then he doesn't even make it to the top, top, top four? Top four. He didn't even make it to top eight. What does that say? Now, granted, Sonic Fox is one of the most dominant players in any fighting game, for, for the most part. Um, his, his actual, like, skill set is just amazingly broad, and he can take it in basically any fighting game that we have out right now. Is it because he was focusing on another game? Like, maybe, I think it was Marvel versus Capcom, something like that, that he was, that he was focusing on? Um, that maybe yeah. he kind of let Injustice 2 drop to the wayside? Or was it just because, I don't, I don't know. I, I honestly expected to see Sonic Fox at least in the semis, and that, did not happen. I think a lot of people were shocked by that. Sonic was really, really struggling uh, in the Group A 
sets. He didn't even make it out of Group A. Um, but you could tell that it wasn't the Sonic Fox that we're used to. The reasons why, you know, who knows, uh, you brought up Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite as a potential reason. He's been beating people in that game who've been grinding Marvel for, you know, a decade plus. Which is amazing that he could do that, but why would you sort of shift gears when you've got $250,000 on the line in Injustice 2? Maybe he felt comfortable enough, either way. This might be kind of a, a wake-up call for the most part because he has been so dominant in so many games that you know heroes can fall and all that jazz yeah absolutely um and to take it back to dragon uh and how that connects so dragon gets to top four grand finals against tekken master foxy grandpa and forever king but not samich not Sonic Fox, you know, not Honeybee, not a lot of the players, not Theo, you know, not a lot of the players who people really see as the dominant uh, force of Injustice 2. And so that has a lot of people questioning, is, is Dragon really the best, or does he continue to get lucky in these situations where he doesn't have to play the absolute best in the world in Injustice. Does this change if Sonic Fox and Samij make it to top four? I personally think that that's an unfair criticism because it's not Dragon's concern what other players are doing. If they're good enough to get to this stage, they need to get to the stage and prove it there. He's doing his job. He's proving it. He won E-League. That's what matters in my eyes. And also, like, how many times is this kid going to get lucky enough that, like, apparently every top-tier player just happened to drop out in the top eight. Like, he still did his job. I, I completely agree with you. I really don't think luck has anything to do with it. It's everything to do with skill, and in this case, Sonic, Fox, and Theo just didn't show up. And when you don't show up, you lose. That's it. I have, I have a very cutthroat, like, thought process about that when people are like, oh, but if this pe person played this person, it wouldn't matter. It's like, then get there. Then get to that grand finals. Um, we're gonna be talking about Overwatch a little bit later, but, like, also with that, it's just... If you want to see the best play the best, the best need to show up. And if you don't show up, that's it. Otherwise, you know, everything is just, oh, everyone got lucky yeah. at the same time. It's just not a tournament anymore. Right. And, and you know, brackets matter. Uh, luck does factor in a little bit when you're talking about, you know, who gets matched up with who, causing people to get eliminated early. But I think especially in the case of Sonic Fox, there wasn't anyone in Group A that I thought, and, and that most people thought, was a threat to his dominance. And so for him to not come out of that, at least in losers, because Dragon was there as well, but to not come out at least in losers is really a shock. Um, and we'll see how he reacts. You know, He's a kid who has been in this scene for a really long time. He's a smart player. He's a dedicated player. I don't see any chance that he doesn't sort of try to reclaim the top spot in Injustice. But, oh yeah, we'll, we'll see him again. We'll absolutely see him again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to, to close out my thoughts, uh, I think that Dragon is the most well-rounded player in the game right now. Because his defense is ironclad. He's known for his defense. That is his sort of bread and butter. Um, he doesn't get opened up easily. And when he does, he's always looking to recover and sort of go back on defense. Or uh, offensively find your weakness and exploit it. And not, not, not allow himself to get baited. He's not hyper aggressive. He he's very calm and meticulous. And Black Adam is a character who plays really well to his strengths. And so 
I don't think that there's an end in sight for Dragon. But I am anxious to see him get into some of these matchups with people like Sonic Fox to see where he stacks up. I agree. Yeah, I think, you know, GGWP to Dragon, this was one hell of a fight. And his uh, uh, his Black Adam was absolutely amazing. And I know what I just said, but it would be really cool to see a, a Sonic, Ro- Sonic Fox versus Dragon like grand final down the line. That would be pretty awesome. Um, yeah. Just to, A, it would silence critics of either side. And B, to it would just be a really awesome fight, I feel. Um, and yeah, I think Dragon was able to pull it off just because of he was able to technically over sorry, he was able to overcome basically what dead shots range attacks were. And once he was in, that was that was it. He was able to shut down Foxy, uh, Tekken and, and basically anyone that came his way. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm not gonna say it was free. Oh, it absolutely when... was not, no. When you're when you're looking at these results, I mean, you know, no one took more than a game off of him the entire time, and uh, so it wasn't free. But I wouldn't say that Dragon struggled either, and I think that he's right now at least in, at least in terms of the competition that he came across, he's a cut above all the rest. And so I'm excited to see where this goes down the line. But hats off to Dragon for taking it. Definitely. And 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 really quick. How cool is it that the Ninja Turtles are coming to Injustice 2? Alright, so is my question is, are we going to be able to play as them individually? Or are they going to be able to swap out like as one person? Because you did, uh, I think it was Michelangelo mentioned that they, that, you know, they play... No, it wasn't Michelangelo. One of them was like, we play as a team, Mikey. We've, yeah. So I feel like it's going to be like a tag team sort of thing, which seems really cheesy. Well, I'm I'm under the assumption that the character power is going to allow you to swap out on uh, turtles, mm. and uh, that's really cool because so they obviously each have different weapons, which is going to allow them to fight at different ranges. And if you think about how that would play out in a match, uh, you have to be prepared for all four turtles, which Cut makes down. a lot of sense when you think about how fighting them would really be. How, how do you fight against Donatello, who has a long-range staff, but also be ready for him to swap out to Raphael at any moment, who has close-range sides? You know, I think that's really cool. I think I think it's really awesome, and, like, I wasn't as hyped as everyone in studio when it got announced, but um, I do think it's going to be a very interesting hero or heroes um, to, to really pull into Injustice 2, and I'm really surprised no one heard about it before it. I'm actually really impressed by how secret that was because no one expected that. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to see that to see how they play. Um, it may become the new like overpowered character for for a couple of months, and that would be interesting. But uh, but yeah, it's gonna be very. I think it's gonna be very cool. Yeah, absolutely. So injustice, <laughs> staying strong, um, and I think that uh, fans have a lot to look forward to in the coming months. With announcements of the new season and these new characters, this game is healthy and it's staying supported, and that's kind of what you want to see in esports. Yep. Um, so speaking of healthy, let's talk a little bit about Heroes of the Storm. Uh, we had BlizzCon. The reason why I say that is because the the Heroes of the Storm. I gave him a look um, for anyone who really didn't know. <laughs> well, the, the 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 Heroes of the Storm meta is very healthy in the sense that. Okay. Yeah. Y- so many different characters were played here. The, the the level of competition at this event is higher than it's ever been 
for Heroes of the Storm. You have a lot of teams that were that came to the, that came to play at BlizzCon. HGC was a blast to watch the entire year, and it all led to this moment, and it didn't disappoint. Um, you had MVP Black, who I mean, they won the whole thing. Uh, they had a dominant performance here at the uh, Global Championship Series uh, at BlizzCon. They they beat every team they came across 3-0, or rather, well, 2-0, until the finals where they did lose one game. So in, in the entire series, they dropped one game. Can, I don't know if we should be counting that one game because, you know, three warrior, one healer, one specialist, that's just cheese at its finest. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, they didn't they didn't go into that particular game uh, playing their their best characters. I interpreted it as them trying to kind of throw Fnatic off their guard, but Fnatic is one of the best teams in the world. I think when you're talking about the best teams in the world, there are three teams you really want to look at: MVP Black, Fnatic, and Ballistics. It could have easily been Ballistics to go up against MVP Black, but Fnatic are not slouches at all, and you can't necessarily get something like that to work when you're talking about a team that many people see as just a notch below you. Just a notch, which is not a not, it's not a huge margin in this game. Um, but still, MVP Black was able to pull it off, uh, winning 3-1 uh, against Fnatic. And uh, to be honest, it was pretty decisive. Outside of that first game, it was pretty decisive. Yeah, the, their entire tournament, just they just looked insane. And uh, I think it would probably have been the safest bet going into the playoffs being, yeah, MVP Black's going to take this. I didn't see anyone that really was stronger than them, even from the group stages. Just by how MVP Black was able to really, like, pretty decisively take down anyone in their path. Um, that being said, Fnatic did struggle in the quarterfinals against Tempo uh, with a 2-1. But outside of that and the one map loss in the finals, I believe that's all that they dropped. Uh, they had a perfect 2-0 in Group B, and then once they moved into the quarterfinals, that's when, when some losses happened. But, uh, yeah, no, Fnatic obviously looked very strong, but in the end of the day... I just don't think anyone can really beat MVP Black for for definitely this year, and I think next year as well is going to be all them. Now that they finally won. Well, so the the really kind of interesting narrative here is probably going to have to be Rich because Rich was undoubtedly the MVP of this series. I mean, just the characters he played, his gray mane is phenomenal. Uh, his Falstad did amazing work. So he actually quit playing heroes competitively and he came back for this season and he dominated and he was the he was the linchpin in the victory of mvp black and their dominance over the second over phase two of the hdc so him coming back really took them to an entirely different level and i think that when you look at these games you can see the synergy that they have and how as a unit including him they were able to completely dominate every single series that they had to the point where i mean again it wasn't even close yeah i i I do want to talk a little bit about north america here because we did have some some north american representation which was pretty cool um roll 20 esports you know they came in and uh they did fairly well for themselves i mean this is the first time we've had uh three north american teams uh come into blizzcon and 
I mean, you know, they did fine. Uh, Temple Storm, Team Freedom, Roll20 Esports, they all played well. But again, when you're talking about teams like Fnatic, you're talking about teams like MVP Black, um, Dignitas as well, Ballistics, it's just hard for these North American teams to sort of compete. And they are making some roster changes going to the future, so I'm interested to see how that's going to, you know, sort of impact their play going forward. But the skill gap, unfortunately, between North America and some of the more elite teams across Europe um, and deeper into the to the East, it, it's just, it's, it's kind of insurmountable right now. For right now, yeah, but it's definitely closing. Like, this is the, the biggest, like, the largest amount of NA teams in the finals, Yeah. Or not yeah. in the finals, but like in the in the playoffs. Um, yeah, ever, yeah. And I think that's that's very good to see, and I'm actually really excited as an NA person myself uh, because it's nice <laughs> to have one to one esport that we can actually say, "Hey, we're actually pretty good at this." So that's always nice to see. I think that and Overwatch are really are really the two that we can really say that that we're pretty good at. Maybe Injustice Two, but I'm I'm mostly talking about like Blizzard games to be honest. Because <laughs> we, we yeah. just want one. Yeah, please. <laughs> um, the other, the only other thing that I did want to talk about when it comes to heroes is just um, how diverse the meta is as far as characters that we saw. Um, I think a lot of people came into this expecting that the double healer meta would sort of rule the roost. And while that was something that we saw a lot of, we also saw single healer. Uh, we saw a healer and a specialist, like Medivh, um, who's not a healer per se, but uh, does provide some shielding and some different things like that. So it was really interesting to see us get to see diverse characters. We saw Kerrigan, which was uh, amazing. Uh, Ragnaros made a few appearances, which was really cool. Um, so it, it wasn't it wasn't the, you know, let's just pick the top 15 best characters and sweep. That we, that we thought. These teams really brought some unique um, strategies to the table that included characters that you might not have expected to see, and that always makes watching um, tournaments like this really interesting. And so I'm excited to see what these teams do as far as strategy going forward to take their game to the next level and hopefully make it more challenging for MVP Black as we go forward. Yeah, the the uh, diversity in meta is really one of the biggest things going for Heroes, I think, just because it's always exciting to see what kind of team comp people are going to do. And even if it doesn't work out, like, you know, MVP Black's one loss, uh, it's still yep. so much fun to watch. Like, I'm sure that as as people were sitting there going, what the hell is MVP, MVP Black doing? Um, it was still entertaining. And I think that's yeah. that at the end goal as a viewer, that's what I want to see. I want to see some dominance, yeah, but I also want to be like, oh, that's a really cool team comp. I can't wait for people to try it out in uh, in CompCube. Yeah, actually, the game where they did pick uh, Zarya, that first game of the series, was one of the most exciting games of the HGC Finals because it was just really back and forth. You didn't know exactly what to expect, and you're right. That is one of the hallmarks of this game, and I hope that it continues to be that. Um, so I'm looking forward to the future and um, seeing seeing what surprises are coming down the pipeline and how the new characters that are coming to Heroes impact the meta. Can't wait for all you Hanzo mains to finally be the hero of the storm. <laughs> It'll be great. Be so good. You can keep them. 
I'm kidding. That's right. Hanzo mains are cool. <laughs> I promise. Uh, so we're gonna jump over to League of Legends. Yep. And Peggy, I want you to I want you to carry me because League of Legends is not my strong suit. Uh, when it comes to MOBAs, I'm definitely a heroes guy. But League of Legends, obviously, is one of the most exciting games in the world. So talk to us a little bit about the World Championships for that game. Up until, like, Worlds this year, the first thing people would say in uh, to answer the question, like, what is League of Legends, or rather, like, what team is the best in League of Legends? Without fail, SKT. Uh, SK Telecom T1. Easily, like, hands down, people would, would just go there. That is not the case anymore, as they have been dethroned um, by Samsung Galaxy in a very decisive, very decisive, uh, 0-3 scoreline uh, in the Grand Finals. Um, now, granted, SKT didn't look very strong, or they all they always look strong, but they didn't look like their usual selves moving into the playoffs. Uh, their game against Misfits, in particular, they did have to reverse sweep. Um, and it really did look like Misfits were going to win it for quite a bit. Uh, it was very heartbreaking when they didn't, because that was EU. Um, it wasn't EU hopes dashed at the time, because Fnatic was still in. But it was still it was still really sad. Um, and it really did look like Misfits could beat SKT. And if they had, this entire tournament would have been completely upset. Um but yeah, they, they struggled against Misfits, and they had to bounce back. Uh, Faker went off there. You saw in uh, SKT versus Royal Never Give Up. 3-2 um, as well. Very close. Faker just happened to go off there as well. And we get to Samsung Galaxy and SKT, and they lose 0-3, and just Faker was not there. I don't know where he was. Maybe he was checking out BlizzCon or something. Like, that far away. <laughs> that far away from this game. Yeah, so in the first game... Uh, SKT failed to kill anyone. Uh, second game, they had a little bit more success, but for the most part, it was just dominance. Dominance from uh, from Samsung. And then the third was basically all she wrote. Um, and that was definitely SKT's final stand. It looked for a second they were able to really like group together and they were going to pull the same thing they did in Misfits, which is that, that reverse sweep, but it just could not happen. Um, in case anyone was interested in score lines, uh, or in score time, rather, SKT lost to Samsung in 38 minutes in the first game, 35 minutes in the second game, and 40 and some odd seconds in that third game. So, the final stand in the third game definitely looked like SKT was about to come back, but at the end, Samsung just had the advantage for most, if not the entire time. And again, if Faker's not there, I don't think SKT can pull anything off. What do you attribute specifically to kind of them not performing well throughout the entirety of this um, series? I think Samsung was very good at, at targeting Faker when they needed to, um, to actually make sure that he could not do anything. But, like, I just, I don't know. And that's where I'm kind of confused, where, yes, they looked they looked weak. They looked weak in the quarter and the semis, because if you're letting a EU team getting, get two games off of you for the first time ever. Um, that's saying that, you know, mo- gods can bleed and all that jazz. Um, I have no idea. <laughs> and that's what's really annoying because SKT should have won this. SKT should have been far more decisive in mis- against Misfits, maybe a 3-1 against Royal Never Give Up, but they should not have lost 0-3 to Samsung. There's no excuse for that. Um, 
And I just, I, I don't know what SKT was doing, but it wasn't what they should have been doing, clearly. Did you notice any maybe inconsistencies as far as their composition? Uh, did they pick characters that maybe they're not used to? What what kind of in-game analysis, if any, can you provide I, on that subject? I really hate to, to kind of kick a dead horse, but it was... Faker just couldn't play. And I hate saying that, and I hate saying it over and over again, but uh, ESPN Esports actually wrote an article about uh, him amassing a 1.6 KDA in these matches, which is the lowest for a mid laner in a series at this year's Worlds. And he only had four kills in three games. Four. It was terrible and not something that you would you would expect from a a grand final or b from faker wow. like what the hell um and i i hate to harp on the kid um if anyone saw the ending of the game um and where he just completely broke down crying was completely right. inconsolable and that sort of thing um obviously this meant a lot to him but it didn't look like it in the rift and that was the problem where it just I don't think Samsung won. I think SKT lost. And I think SKT lost because Samsung was able to play the game they usually do, and SKT just didn't show up. And I know I've been saying that over and over again, but like that's literally the only explanation I can really think of because throughout this entire tournament, throughout the entirety of the playoffs, SKT either barely showed up or didn't. And yeah, I would, I would honestly say the reason why SKT lost was because they weren't because Faker, A, wasn't leading the team like he usually does, and B, just, I don't I don't know. They just fell, and this is going to be a very interesting next season because no one knows if Faker's going to be back. Now, obviously, people are like, oh, no, Faker's coming back as an angry god to completely punish us all. I'm like, okay, but let's see him do that. I don't think we've seen him this far down before. And um, I think a true champion is going to come back and learn from this and bounce right. back, but we don't know how Faker responds to this yet. And until we do, I think that his, uh, I think that his kind of godhood title, if you will, is, is question is in question. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's really interesting. And that, that's the hallmark of a champion, right? Is, you know, it's really kind of, I don't want to say it's easy, but when you are, a dominant player or when you are kind of the person or or the team that is consistently winning winning becomes your culture and then when you lose how do you bounce back you know and i think that's the question that you ask in every sport including esports is how do you come back from from a devastating loss and we don't know because this guy's never been in this position before so do you have any kind of expectations for SKT and how they're going to move forward as a unit um, beyond just Faker going into the next season. I, By the way, I should also mention that Ruler went, uh, had a 15.5 KDA as well. So Ruler was the bottom lane for, for Samsung Galaxy and he just went off and that was amazing. Um, and they and at the end of the day, SKT couldn't, could not counter that at all, um, especially with, with their mid laner going, doing so poorly. Um, anyway, but yeah, when it comes to... Um, SKT, I feel like there's going to be some roster changes because that usually is what happens when people lose, especially not, it's not this badly, but especially like pretty decisively losing it in a final. Um, I don't think they need to, to be honest. I think the team just needed a wake up call and this is definitely it. 
Um, but SKT's kind of been known to kind of tweak their rosters every once in a while. So I, I feel like this is going to be them saying, okay, we need to change. Um, and it'll be interesting to see who. I honestly don't know. But they, I think they just needed a wake-up call. And I think a 0-3 in the grand finals against Samsung Galaxy in like one of the biggest arenas that League of Legends has ever had, I think that's a big enough wake-up call for them. <laughs> I would say so. Yeah, it was in the uh, it was in the bird's nest, by the way, which was there for the Olympics, and it was completely filled. If you t- take a look on Twitter, um, or even just take a look at the Twitch stream, every seat seemed to be filled in that. And they had a dragon too that was CGI'd in, so that was pretty cool. And it was just this was the biggest stage with the most production value, and SKT just couldn't pull it off. And I think that's that's definitely a signal for them to be like, okay. Let's let's actually go back to being the gods that we were literally a year ago. All in all, the big winner here is Riot. Because now they have a game where their storyline is set for next year. Faker coming back, SKT coming back to, to win it. Someone else knew one, which is awesome for them. Um, and now we're seeing the rise, not the rise, but we're seeing encouraging signs from LCSEU in the form of Misfits. And if they can beat SKT in two maps and almost take that third, then any anything is up for grabs. So I think because of this tournament, despite how shitty it is for SKT, this proves that League definitely is healthy. Um, or at least is going to appear healthy into next year because the storylines are completely, are just perfect for a for an action drama filled 2018. That's awesome. And very, very exciting. Um, and I'm going to tune in. I'm going to tune in. This is honestly the first, the first year that I've actually very closely followed, uh, followed league of legends. Um, just because I kept on hearing, Hey, SKT is not, not the best that they usually are. And I was like, but isn't that like the best, the best team? They were like, yeah, just, just watch. So I started watching from there and just kept on going with it. And again, the storylines are there for people who haven't watched league to really pick it up and start actively following it. Just to see what happens with yeah, this team. Absolutely. Uh, sounds like sounds like a lot to look forward to for fans of League of Legends, um, both new and old. So definitely gonna tune in for that. Um, and then the last game that we're gonna talk about here, maybe the most exciting Woo! is Overwatch. Yeah. That's my that's my main. That's my bay. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so I was gonna say Overwatch, more like Baywatch. I was like, no, that's an actual show. Anyway, uh, first off, before we go into that, um, some some more sobering news. Uh, some people know uh, that, unfortunately, the former NBS player, support player, and Team Liquid coach, uh, Internet Hulk, did pass away this week. Uh, it's actually November 12th right now, so this week. I think I can speak for a lot of people to say that his, uh, his legacy in Overwatch will definitely continue. Um, for anyone who didn't know, he was on NVS. He played a support. Um, they won Apex Season One with him on the roster, and then he stepped back from from NVS to to coach Team Liquid. And I did want to give a shout out to the guys uh, and girls, because Noki as well, um, who helped set up the Hulk Tastic Cup, which happened uh, yesterday, which was absolutely amazing to see. Uh, it was a tournament that really showcased all the players. Um, and just kind of Hulk's legacy. Um, they raised over $11,000, I believe, at this time for, for Hulk. And um, 
for Hulk's family rather. And it was very encouraging and just very nice to see everyone kind of come together uh, to really uh, celebrate the life of one hell of a player, one hell of a coach, one hell of a personality in the Overwatch community that we very suddenly lost. And uh, I don't think his legacy is going to be forgotten anytime soon. Um, and I kind of do hope Blizzard, you know, kind of puts up a memorial for him in some way, shape, or form in Overwatch. They've done that in the past. Although I will say Blizzard did put in the PTR last night uh, while the tournament was happening in like a, the yellow text. It was like a system message. It said, in loving memory, hashtag Holtastic. Um, and that was really nice to see. And it was just really nice to see the community come together uh, during this very tough time. And um, yeah, and Hulk will not be forgotten for a very long time. His legacy will live on. His ideology and just everything that he helped build um, is going to go on for, for quite a while. So I just wanted to, to give a shout out to Noki, Yiska, and, and everyone who uh, who really helped with this tournament. I know it was on Ghost of Gamers' Overwatch, uh, Overwatch stream. And there was a lot of people involved, so just thank you to everyone who who set that up and really made that uh, really made that possible. That's amazing, and uh, Blizzard does have a reputation and a history for honoring their players and their developers mm-hmm. and people on their their staff when they do pass. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if we did get something uh, representing him <clears throat> in the game, yeah. maybe on the Blizzard World map. You know, who knows? But. Um, it's cool to see the community kind of come together for something like that. And a lot of crap gets talked about the Overwatch community um, for being yep. toxic. But this is one of those times mm-hmm. where it's like, hey, you know, they showed out and stepped up for one of their own. And that's really cool. Yeah, agreed. Um, but moving on to, to more to more exciting, happy, happy, joy, joy times. Uh, the World Cup just happened. And that was so much fun. I was actually in uh, at BlizzCon in the arena watching all the games. Uh, and it was just so much fun to watch. And of course, South Korea won. But they definitely had some teams that went down fighting. Um, the US versus SK game was probably one of, if not the best match of Overwatch I think we've ever seen. And that includes Apex. That includes Apex. Like, all of it. It was just one hell of a game. If you had to pick one map from that from that game to really... Uh, showcase definitely Hanamura. Um, they tied on that in a very like heart-stopping sort of sort of action gameplay. There, Flower went off uh, on the next map and watch part watch point Gibraltar with his Widowmaker. Um, but on Hanamura, they were really able to kind of ice him out and make sure they didn't have the sight lines and that sort of thing. And just Flower is amazing. And just the the entire tournament was just absolutely fantastic to see. Um, but SKT versus US in the quarterfinals was probably one of, if not the best, games of Overwatch played. Wow, that's high praise. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, Sinatra went off, Jake went off, um, Flower definitely proved to be a bit more overpowering than what people people thought it was going to be. And I think Zumba as well really pulled out all the all the stops to make sure that uh, the SK won. Almost said SKT. Uh, that South Korea won. Um, <laughs> And it was very close. Uh, I think the only game that they really were able to kind of like settle down and really be as dominant as as expected was probably against France in the semis. France did win 1-0 in Hanamura. uh, And that was the only, but that was the only match that they took. That was the only map they took against against South Korea. Um, 
but either way, the results are very uh, encouraging. And I think the results are very optimistic for those non-South Korean teams. Because A, the U.S. is looking so strong. If they can take South Korea to basically all the way, um, I'm very excited to see what they can do elsewhere. Yeah. In in other games, I mean. I mean, in other uh, matches. I have, I have a question about Overwatch. So It's a uh, game. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Uh, ready to wrap up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sweet. So what is the what are the meta characters? So we all know about Mercy, right? Even the most casual. So player. okay, funny, funny you should mention that. Actually, um, one of the reasons why South Korea really did struggle was because of the Mercy meta. And for those who do not know what the Mercy meta is, good for you, like top, because it's it's kind of it's really bad. Um, Mercy just got buffed. Uh, exponentially, so now her resurrect is not her uh, her ultimate. It is now her E button. I think it resets every twenty five to thirty seconds, something like that. Might have gotten nerfed either way. Wow. Um, and she's basically a god at this time. And um, her Valkyrie, which is essentially she can heal multiple targets with her staff uh, and fly all around the room. Mercy's just very overpowered right now, and it was something that the U.S. could play that South Korea couldn't as well. And that's what also made the the series very interesting. When it came to the regular team comps, that's when you saw South Korea really shine. But basically, you didn't see a lot of the standard, quote-unquote, team comps because we saw so much Mercy and just the overpoweredness of Mercy uh, kind of spoke for itself. Interesting. <clears throat> Has there been any response from Blizzard as far as this character goes? Oh yeah, she's getting nerfed. She's getting nerfed so hard. Uh, no one, no one knows when. Uh, it might actually be soon, but she, she's gonna get nerfed. Um, but in the meantime, this was definitely like a final, final hurrah for her. Um, I don't see her getting nerfed to the ground, but I do see her getting nerfed enough that the quote-unquote normal pick rates uh, start to come back. On the last patch. From September 19th to October 17th, I'm using Winston's Labs' uh, Winston's Labs statistics here. For the most part, it was Lucio, Mercy, Winston, Tracer, Diva, Zarya were the, the top picks. Uh, with a two healer, two yeah, two healer, two DP, DPS, and two tank meta. Which is pretty much standard. Um, every once in a while it would be three tanks, one DPS, and two uh two healers but for the most part you saw two 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 that was pretty much the the most common um but with this current patch you're seeing a lot of shakeup. you're seeing mercy uh diva being picked the most with a 90.62 percent followed by mercy then winston uh tracer zenyatta and i think genji rounds that out so the the person to focus on for that would be lucio who had a 78.54% uh, pick rate in the last patch to a 20.13% wow. the next patch. Which is kind of insane. Um, you also saw that with uh, with Zarya and Reinhardt, uh, though I think that's more thanks to, to D.Va's new missiles and that sort of thing, um, kind of being utilized a lot more. This entire meta, this entire patch has been such a shakeup that I don't think the South Korean team was really prepared for as much as the U.S. was in particular, and I think Canada to an extent. But I really do think that the U.S. were able just to play the current meadow better than them, 
until South Korea was able to catch up mid-game because they were able to tell where they were coming from and the actual like movements. I don't think they beat the meta. I just think maybe the U.S. didn't really alter their strategy too much and South Korea picked up on it. And that's what caused South Korea to really get the edge out on, on some of these games. And by get the edge out, I really do mean that because it was very close between these two teams. Um, but I think in the end, South Korea was able to match the moves that the U.S. were doing as well as kind of take it a step further, whether it was Flower and Widowmaker or just some in some way, shape, or form, ever to technically able to technically best uh, the U.S., like the South Korean teams uh, in like Apex and all that kind of are well known to do that when it comes when push comes to shove their technical mastery of their heroes and of their of the controls is what's going to win out in the day and in this case it just barely did but it did that's really interesting and i think um adaptation is something that any player has to be able to do uh, especially when you're playing at that level and you can see it even in the series with canada where south korea was ahead you know the whole time but even even where Canada seemed to find things that worked, South Korea fairly quickly was stuffing those out. You know, they were they were seeing seeing the the strategies by Canada, reacting and then shutting them down. Yeah, I think when it came to adaptation, it took them longer to get used to Mercy because you saw like that statistic with uh, with hero picks, I think, is very important there because usually you're seeing a Lucio, and I guess like, I guess in most recent past Mer- Mercy, but you would see like a Lucio and a Zenyatta for the most part, um, or someone that's not Mercy to come out of there a with a completely different kit than what you're used to, and b just so often on the field, um, and I don't think South Korea was able to really uh, was I think they were caught off guard unnecessarily. They weren't as used to to the Mercy meta, especially now that Mercy is just completely uh, skyrocketed in terms of usability in, in esports. But once they kind of got the feel for it, um, they were fine. But I think Mercy coming in, coming out of nowhere and really shaking up the meta this much was something that South Korea wasn't initially used to. But once they saw how she was in in play and how she was in game by playing against her, it only made them stronger, which kind of sucks for the U.S., who wanted to, you know, obviously take them down, but I don't think, I don't think they were ready for Mercy initially, but once they got used to her on the field, that's when things started to go their way quite a bit, quite a bit more often. Yeah, um, and that's, again, that's the, the hallmark of a dominant team. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your perspective on the final the grand finals with canada underwhelming to be honest um i think canada did as much as they could i'm not saying canada didn't show up to play or anything like that like it wasn't an skt scenario i think in that case that's the classic idea of south korea's just dominant and in this case they definitely showed it um i just don't think canada is up for it at this time um i think the u.s would probably be the the closest in terms of skill and unlike heroes like being a little bit under someone in terms of skill is a long way um and it's saying and it is saying a lot when you're saying you know these are like tier one tier 1.5 and and all and all that um i would have loved to have seen i think everyone agrees i would have loved to have seen that us versus uh sk grand final 
Uh, the quarterfinal felt like the grand final for a lot of it. It had the most <laughs> action of the entire tournament. It was just the most suspenseful and the one that everyone really did think was going to was gonna be like the top team. And whoever was going to win that was going to take it all. In this case, that was absolutely correct. And while I do give props to the Canada team for really trying their best, I just don't think they were in the same league as, as South Korea. How did... What was Canada's road to the Grand Finals like? So, they actually had one of the toughest uh, toughest roads to BlizzCon that anyone had had. Uh, they had tied with Russia, and the Katowice uh, uh, qualifier, where they were in Group F, and it was South Korea, Netherlands, Poland, and Austria in Group E. Canada and Russia had tied by the end of the Group F matches, so that meant... Whoever, um, whoever won the tiebreaker against them was going up against South Korea to qualify for BlizzCon. Russia uh, did lose to Canada. I believe it was on Oasis in a best of one. That is correct. Uh, Canada got... Uh, the ending scoreline was 2-0. South Korea and Russia had to face off to see which one of those teams would end up at BlizzCon. And uh, South Korea took it 3-0. Meanwhile, Canada took 3-0 against the Netherlands, who came in second in that group with South Korea. So, it was definitely, like, star-crossed, if that makes sense, where Canada just barely, barely avoided having to face South Korea in the qualifying. And if that was the case, and we would have seen either the Netherlands or Russia qualify for BlizzCon, this would have been an entirely different tournament. Okay, so we get that South Korea is dominant, and that seems to be sort of the meta for that game, for Overwatch. What do you see, because there's a owl is on the way, everything seems to be changing. What do you see, if you could just talk to us quickly about like what do you see coming for that game and for the meta as far as these teams are concerned? Well, a lot of the players have already been signed on to OWL. Um... For example, everyone on South Korea is either on Seoul Dynasty or the New York Excelsior. Uh, when it came to Sweden, everyone is on an OWL team. When it came to France, which was originally Rogue, um, Soon and Unko are on LA Valiant. And then we had the majority of Canada also being uh, eSports signed to OWL. Uh, the US also having the majority, all but one, being signed to OWL. And then Boombox from the UK uh, being on the Philadelphia Fusion. So that is really good in terms of seeing how um, seeing how this team, how these teams uh, for Owl are going to, to translate because they were, A, already the best of their, of their respective nations. Um, and B, we kind of now have seen them on a bigger stage and now we know who can perform and who can't, like, on a live stage against, I would say, one of the biggest Overwatch esports crowds um, that we've had this far. And that was really fun to see. Um, I think Owl's going to be a lot uh, stronger competition. Because A, uh, it's it's not region locked. And B, um, right. you know, for example, uh, Seal Dynasty looks so strong already. People know them before, uh, before this as Lunatic High, which is one of, if not the best team in Overwatch. Um, then we have LW Blue moving, on, moving over to Excelsior. And just all of these teams that are pretty well-established as some of the best teams and uh, and also having the best players coming into OWL and just being able to fight it out on a, on a bigger stage. 
I think that's going to be really awesome to see. I'm actually really excited to see how uh, to see how these teams are able to really fight through uh, their respective divisions because there is an Atlantic division and a Pacific division. If that answered your question. <laughs> yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, I think that's awesome, and I'm I'm so excited for the future yeah. of Overwatch as somebody who enjoyed the championship series enough to want to dive in further. Um, so that's a game that I'm on the lookout for. And I think that with all the signings that you're talking about and how Owl is changing the game, um, that's going to be the sort of the game to watch going into the next season. Um, but all the games that we've talked about today have interesting uh, sort of storylines and futures going forward that are they're going to make them so exciting to tune into. So... Mm-hmm. With uh, with the exception of heroes and like MVP finally making it to to the championships, um, I really don't think any of the other three uh, three games, Overwatch, League of Legends, and Justice, has that king just yet, or their king just got dethroned. Like in some way, shape, or form, the the norm is being mixed up, and that's going to be really exciting going into twenty eighteen because it's either going to be a tale of redemption, tale of revenge, or just. Uh, Something new is going to happen in 2018 in these games. I, I like, I feel it, and I really am excited to see how all of this turns out. Absolutely, uh, and so we are going to be sure to cover this stuff and continue to have these conversations going forward as we analyze where these games are going, and not just these games, but other games as well. So if you like this kind of coverage, definitely let us know so that we know that uh, you're into this, and that'll inspire us to do more stuff just like this. Uh, Thank you, Peggy, so much for joining me for this. Let the people know where they can find you and all this kind of coverage outside of this podcast. Yeah, so if you want to follow me, that'd be cool. I am Morai O.W., M-O-I-R-A-I-O-W. No, I'm not named after the hero. The hero showed up after I showed up. I swear, I have an entire article about it pinned to my profile. You can you can read about it there. But yeah, that's my username, M-O-I-R-A-I. Note that, that extra I, O-W, uh, on Twitter. And you can follow me there, and I usually post stuff basically a lot every day. So I apologize in advance, but it's a lot of fun. And uh, highly recommend getting into getting into these games. Um, I know that we're definitely going to be following them quite a bit moving in, moving forward. And again, if you guys like what you guys are hearing, or you're thinking, oh, you know, this can be improved, by all means, let us know. We're more than happy to to take any feedback and really make uh, this sort of special thing maybe happen again if people like it. So we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, as for me, I'm at Sean Soapbox on Twitter only. Uh, you can reach out to me to talk about any of the games we talked about today. School me about uh, League of Legends or Overwatch, or let me school you about Injustice or Heroes of the Storm. Um, and that's going to do it for this special. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Make sure that you leave us a comment on the platform that you're listening to this on. Uh, and head over to YouTube and... Leave us that sweet like and subscribe. And of course, last but not least, share it with your friends so that they know that we're out here and that you enjoy what we do. So for Peggy, I'm Sean, and we're going to sign off. So take care, guys.